for joining us with these podcasts. They are designed to challenge us in the Christian faith. We hope that they do that for you. And we also hope that sometime you will join us at First Christian Church in Malvern. May God bless you. Hi, everyone. We're taking a look at uh, the prophet Haggai. Uh, he's the prophet that, that I call the one with no name. And you may wonder, well, why is he the prophet that has no name? It's because whenever people saw him, they would go, hey, guy, hey, guy, come here. Okay, I was waiting for a response, but uh, since I'm in an empty room, uh, I thought maybe I'd laugh for myself or whatever. Carol's not with me today. That's why I can tell these bad jokes. But this this lesson's a little bit late getting to you. We got overwhelmed with some things, and uh, but I wanted to get this out today so that you could take a listen. There will be another prophet coming out um, this week also. Let's begin with a word of prayer. Father God, thank you for this time. Uh, watch over, Lord, us and give us strength and, and help us to be the people you want us to be. We thank you, uh, Lord, for your strength. We thank you, Lord, for your word. And we thank you, Lord, that we can study your prophets and learn their messages so that we may be strong in your word and we may have knowledge of you. Uh, help us, Lord, to take that knowledge and apply it to our lives so that we may please you because, Lord, we love you. Be with us now as we study. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, here is the man. His name means festival. And uh, it it's a result of some kind of uh, uh, rejoicing. And it may have been uh, that he re represents the joy and the gladness because Judah, after 70 years, 70 years of captivity and being uh, in Babylon, are now f they can now finally return to their homeland and build the temple again. So, he is one of the prophets that has come about. So many of the prophets told us, beware of Babylon, watch Babylon. Babylon's going to uh, take you into captivity. Um, and uh, some of the other prophets before Babylon was talking about Assyria. And Assyria, uh, of course, took the northern uh, tribes of the nation of Israel when they had split now we're dealing with uh, Judah. They have come back. And uh, so they are excited. But there is problems. And Haggai addresses those problems. Uh, the, the knowledge that we have about Haggai is limited to this book and also to the book of Ezra. Now, Ezra, of course, is writing about the coming back. Um, we don't know exactly from what part of Judah he came. Uh, there's only two reference to him, as I, as I mentioned, in, in Ezra. And uh, 
he's working alongside another a younger prophet by the name of Zechariah and his ministry the of Zechariah is to encourage the rebuilding of the temple um you see, when they returned to Judea from Babylon, uh, they came with a governor by the name of Zerubbabel. And that was around 536 B.C. Um, so we're dealing with, they've gone through the captivity and everything, and they have returned. And they have come to Jerusalem. And... Uh, Many people feel that Haggai uh, had come back as an old man, that he had been born in Judah around uh, 586 B.C., and he was one of the, the small group of people that could remember the former temple. Now, that would mean that he's probably 75 years old, uh, when he began his his prophesying so it's it's likely that that could happen but it's also likely that he was born in babylon and you stop and think a lot of the people that had come back were younger people and they did not really know of the temple and the glory of the temple they didn't truly know the history that well now when this book was written is in the the fourth month period and that is from august to december in the year uh, 520 bc and it was written in the second year of darius or Darius, as some call him, who reigned from 521 to 486 B.C. Now, Haggai's work uh, is around that time of 520, as I mentioned. But he gives four sermons, and uh, they are one after another. The second one is in the reign of Darius, the king of Persia. The first was delivered on the first day of the Hebrew month, um, Elul, which is August. The second is the second day of, of Tishrai, which is September, October. And the last two on the 24th day of uh, Kislev, which is November and December. And I probably killed those Hebrew words, but... Uh, that's probably the Greek coming out in me. And the setting is a little bit different. It's, uh, there's some dates that we need to truly understand. 586 is when Jerusalem fell and was destroyed along with the temple. 539 is the fall of Babylon. And the Persian Empire becomes now the dominant power remember there had been Assyria and then the Babylonians and now the Medo-Persians have come and uh, around 538 BC uh, Cyrus the king of the Medo-Persian empire 
allowed the Jews to return. Now, that's really important, to rebuild their city in 538 B.C. So, it's, it's very important to understand that. Now, they come back to Jerusalem, and they start to build the temple. Now, the altar of the temple is built around 536 to 535 B.C. The foundation of the temple is laid, but there are people who are living in this uh, in Jerusalem and surrounding areas that they don't want a rebuilding of the temple. They are not Jews, but there's opposition to this. And it just wasn't, let's go back and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem and the temple and make it great again. Um, they, they, were, they weren't able to do that. There were people that did not want to see the Jews back. And so around 534 B.C., roughly, the work on the temple stopped. And that's according to, to Ezra. Now, Haggai and Zechariah begin to prophesy. And they talk about the construction of the temple and how it needs to be resumed. And then finally, in, in 516 B.C., the temple becomes complete. But this is a real problem. Now, one of the first things that Cyrus, as I had mentioned, did was to allow former captives to return home if they wanted to go. Now, I've always wondered, why did they do that? Why did they allow the people to come back to Jerusalem? Well, if you look at history, the Greek Empire is starting to build up. And you look at where the Medo-Persians were, they wanted a buffer between them and the sea, the Mediterranean. If they allowed Israel to go back, then they would have that buffer. And the people would remember that the Medo-Persian empire had been favorable to them so they would fight for them well that's an interesting thing uh, walls were to be rebuilt uh, armies were to be raised for protection and so what do you do first well they began with the temple in Jerusalem but you know what things began to get a little old yep that grind every day and getting this and and working here and working that they began to stop the rebuilding of the temple they actually began to work on their homes and after 16 years of no activity going on in the temple we hear the prophet Haggai preach his message and he demanded that the work be done resumed 
because it was important this was to be God's house. God's house. So, once again, Malachi had a part in this too. Uh, along Haggai, along with Zechariah, Malachi though faced kind of a different situation uh, than those that had dealt before the exile. These people tended to depend upon the physical ceremonies and buildings rather than their true relationship with God. They began to be an apathetic people. And what's the difference anyway? And so they had been raised in a completely different culture even though the synagogues uh, grew up during the time of the exile in Babylon and they were the education of the Jews and their background. So they were, they were given those things. But the Jews saw little reason to pay careful attention uh, to their laws and practices. You would think that they would realize why they had been sent into captivity. But they're faced with the task of encouraging people to distinguish themselves from those around them and from the culture that uh, is around them. And <clears throat> they need to do that by their character of obedience. Now, this book just simply says, rebuild the temple. If you were to think of Haggai, you would think of rebuilding the temple. So, we're going to take a look at the message. There's only two chapters to this wonderful prophet, but he tells us so much. And if you look at uh, chapter 1, verse 2, he begins this. And uh, I'm going to read from 2 to 11. He says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, This people say, says, says the time has not come even for the time of the house of the Lord to be rebuilt for the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet saying is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies desolate now therefore thus says the Lord of hosts consider your ways you have sown much, but harvest little. You eat, but there's not enough to be satisfied. You drink, but there's not enough to become drunk. You put on clothing, but no one is warm enough. And, who, and he who earns, earns wages to put into a purse with holes. In other words, things aren't going so good. Maybe there's a reason why things aren't going so well. He says, go up to the mountains Bring wood and rebuild the temple, that I may be pleased with it and be glorified, says the Lord. You look for much, but behold, it comes to little. 
and when you bring it home, I blow it away. Why, declares the Lord of hosts, because of my house, which lies desolate, while each of you runs to his own house. Therefore, because of you, the sky will withhold its dew, and the earth has withheld its produce. And I called for a drought on the land, on the mountains, on the grain, on the new wine, on the oil, and what the ground produces on men, on cattle, and on all the labor of your hands. See, there's a, there's a problem. God's not blessing. And he's not blessing because they're not willing to give God glory by finishing the temple. Now, it's, it's dated around August 29th. That's what that time would be in 520 B.C. It's time to rebuild the temple. In fact, it's long overdue. They're, they're interested more in their own houses now, this deals with that first message, okay? And uh, let, me, let me read the following ones after this. It says, Then Zerubbabel, in verse 12, the son of um, uh, uh, Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet as the Lord their God had sent him and the people showed reverence to the Lord. Revere the Lord. By the way, the word reverend is made in reference to God in Psalms. That's why we do not call ourselves reverend. Only God is reverend. And, and verse 13 says, Then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke by the commission of the Lord to the people, saying, I am with you, declares the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of uh, Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of uh, Joshua, the son of Jehozadak the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God, on the 24th day of the sixth month in the second year of Darius the king, or Darius the king. Now that, that's the first oracle. And, and Haggai saw that this, this worked, this happened. So, uh, the next oracle starts really in the second chapter, but let's go ahead and <clears throat> let's start in verse 1, and it's only nine uh, verses, so I'm going to, to read that. It says, On the 21st day of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people, saying, <clears throat> Who is left among you who saw this temple in its former glory? And how do you see it now? Does it not seem to you like nothing in comparison? 
But now take courage, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Take courage also, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and all you people of the land. Take courage, declares the Lord, and work, for I am with you, says the Lord of hosts. As for the promise which I made you when you came out of Egypt, my spirit is abiding in your midst. Do not fear. For thus says the Lord of hosts, Once more in a little while I am going to shake the heavens and the earth and the sea also and the dry land. And I will shake all the nations and they will come with the wealth of all nations. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. The latter glory of this house will be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I shall give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. Well, Solomon's temple was just glorious. And uh, this this second oracle is, is done near the Feast of Tabernacles, uh, in October, the 21st day of uh, 520 B.C. Uh, now, that's only two months after uh, Haggai had spoken the first one. Now, they're upset. They're, they're, they're saying, well, it doesn't look as beautiful as some say uh, it had looked in its former years. So, what do we do? And, and God says, my glory will fill that. That's what makes something beautiful. The glory of God. You know, the first one, they're, they're dealing with the idea of uh, priorities in their life. The second one, they're, they're looking at material things, and they're, they're trying to say, well... I just don't know. You know, it's not quite what it needs to be. And he says, my glory will fill this. So we now get to the third oracle, which goes on from uh, verse 10. And it says, on the 24th of the ninth month, in the second day of uh, Darius, the word of the Lord came to Haggai the prophet, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Ask now the priests for a ruling. If a man carries holy meat in the fold of his garment and touches bread with this fold, or cooked food, wine, oil, or any other food, will it become holy? And the priest answered and said, No, no, no. Then Haggai said, Well, if one who is unclean from a corpse, someone who's dead, touches any of these, will the latter become unclean? And of course the law says yes. So the priest answers and says it'll become unclean. Then Haggai answered and said, So is this people, and so is this nation before me. They're unclean declares the Lord, and so is every work of their hands, and what they offer there is unclean. You see, they're just going through the motions of religion. They're not allowing God to, to cleanse them, truly. They're going through the rituals. He says, but now, 
do consider from this day onward before me, one stone was placed on another in the temples of the Lord. From that time when one came to a grain heap of twenty measures, there would only uh, be ten. And when one came to the wine vat to draw fifty measures, there'd only be twenty. I smote you in every work of your hands with blasting wind, mildew, hail, and yet you did not come back to me, declares the Lord. Do consider from this day onward, from the twenty-fourth day of the ninth month, from the day when the temple of the Lord was founded, consider, is the seed still in the barn? Huh? Is the seed still in the barn? Even including the wine, the fig tree, the, the pomegranate, and the olive tree? It has not borne fruit. Yet from this day on, I will bless you. You know, you can't come to God and just do the mechanical things. Say a formula prayer and therefore, uh, or act and say, well, I got to give an offering. Your heart's not in it. You know, that's not what it's about. And, and God's trying to tell the people this. So we, we, we realize that that in this third uh, oracle uh, that, that uh, there were those who felt that God's blessings were slow in coming. Well, they were. It confirmed that the blessings would come from the Lord when the temple was rebuilt. But let's, let's look at the fourth oracle and this is given the same day. So here's the fourth oracle. Then the word of the Lord came a second time. This is on the same day to Haggai on the 24th day of the month saying, Speak to Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, saying, I am going to shake the heavens and the earth. I will overthrow the thrones of kingdoms and destroy the power of the kingdoms of the nations. I will overthrow the chariots and their riders, and the horses and their riders will go down, every one by the sword of another. On that day, declares the Lord of hosts, I will take you, Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, my servant, declares the Lord, and I will make you like a signet ring for I have chosen you declares the Lord of hosts interesting passage of scripture this this uh, fourth oracle it's uh, it's promised divine protection to uh, Zerubbabel now he's really clear in all four of these messages first one's directed to uh, Joshua, who's that religious leader, and to Zerubbabel. But the second encourages them to, to uh, build, but uh, they're afraid that it's just going to be insignificant. And the third and fourth denounce the present state of corruption. And uh, these people needed to respond to God. But there is a messianic hope there. Did you see how that ended? In verse 9, 
the house of God would be filled with a glory that would surpass anything previously seen. Jesus goes to the temple. And he cleanses the temple, doesn't he? And remember, Zerubbabel was, was to be God's signet. Signet, remember that? In him, the hope would be realized. Did you know that the Messianic line is traced through Zerubbabel? The Messiah is portrayed in the person of Zerubbabel. Um, that's, that's an interesting observation. Well, once again, Haggai was intended to make the leaders conscious of their responsibility to rebuild the temple, to rebuild God's house. And, uh, you know, even though Haggai is a real brief book, among the Old Testament books, uh, he's very frank, and he has a strong message. Uh, we need to deal in our life with misguided priorities. Look how God did not bless. Look how God said that uh, there, there would be no blessing until they got their priorities right. Now, that's a, that is a principle that just rings on and on, even in the New Testament. Uh, remember the verse, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you, spoken by Jesus. So, this idea is, is common in the Old Testament as well as the New Testament, that you're not going to be blessed in your future labors if you have misplaced priorities in life. Eventually, they will find you out. And we've seen that in, in many of uh, false uh, preachers and, and that have, who have fallen. Uh, the purpose of this prophecy is to deal with apathy, is to deal with depression that leadership may have, and, and to deal with these ideas of, of uh, a misplaced priority in life. Did you know under our lessons part that we must speak the, uh, the word of the Lord? This phrase is used 26 times in Haggai in a book that only has 38 verses. And we have got to get in order our priorities of life. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. That, that's Matthew 6, 33. The people stood condemned because they were more interested in their own houses than they were in the house of God. And thirdly, Everyone must work, not just the leaders. Did you notice that? Uh, the Lord's work is to be carried out by everyone, not just uh, a few. Every single one of us has a job to do. Uh, fourthly, uh, we should get to work now.
Boom. He says, there is a fruit that is a result of procrastinating. Uh, when a job is waiting its accomplishment, the time to do it is now. So we see that there is a glory to be revealed. And I believe that that is the blessings that God gave through Jesus Christ. Is the seed still in the barn? Well, we need to be sowing, people. Seed is not meant to be kept in the barn. Christians are not meant to be kept in a building. Maybe the one thing that we learned in a, a pandemic was the idea that the church needs to get out of the building. Uh, we need each other, and that's for sure. But the church is not the building. And don't be discouraged. You know, being discouraged is not a reason for neglecting your duties. So, it's a, this is an echo from Haggai. It's found in the book of Hebrews. And uh, in an interesting passage that's found in Hebrews 12. And uh, if you would, go ahead, uh, turn to Hebrews chapter 12. And we're going to take a look at verses 26 through uh, 28. And his voice shook the earth then. But now he is promised, saying, Yet once more... I will shake not only the earth, but also the heaven. And this expression yet once more denotes the removing of those things which can be shaken as, a cre as of created things in order that those which cannot be shaken uh, may remain. Therefore, since we receive a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. If we were to look at this in the uh, New Living Translation, it gives a little bit more um, insight to what the scripture is talking about in verse 26 it says when God spoke from Mount Sinai his voice shook the earth but now he makes another promise once again I will shake not only the earth but the heavens also this means that of that all of creation will be shaken and removed so that only unshakable things will remain. Since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe, for our God is a consuming or a devouring fire. Well, that's, that's Haggai, a brief book, but really strong. And I hope that uh, you answer the questions uh, here that uh, we we covered that as I as I spoke it's always a good thing to maybe have uh, your books here and answer those questions as time goes on 
But that is Haggai. What a magnificent book. Uh, what a magnificent word of God that we find. So, may God bless you. And don't forget that little book, Hey Guy. You know that guy. All right. God bless you. Have a great day. Thank you for joining us on this podcast. We hope that you will join us at First Christian Church of Malvern, which is located at 4046 Coral Road, Northwest in Malvern, Ohio. May God bless you and have a great day.